That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a minute-by-minute rewatch of Batman v Superman, if that wasn't obvious. This episode is going to be interesting. I don't know. It's it's funny, too, because every time I think of this, I recognize that anyone beginning the episode knows there's, there's like a dramatic irony there of what, you know, we're like, gosh, I don't know if we're going to find a way to talk about this. And they're like, well, you're going to talk for like 50 minutes, so half of that's going to yeah. be about like Henry Cavill's arms or something. Yeah, they, they, they check the runtime before... Uh... Before even listening, probably. So the, so when he starts off, and we do that all the time, where we're like, oh, I don't know if we have anything to talk about this time. And they're like, dude, the minutes, the, yeah. this, this episode is 25 minutes long. <laughs> what are you talking about? And it's like, oh, it's because we got, we talked about Scoot McNary for the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just a Scoot Fest. I don't like the sound of that. Let's just blast by that and get into <laughs> minute 37 of the movie. Jenny, what are we looking at? Hey, are you guys watching this? Emergency responders quickly created a precautionary perimeter around Heroes Park while they brought the man down from this beloved monument. The suspect has been identified as Wallace Vernon Keith. I work for Bruce Wayne! I work for Bruce Wayne! Poor son of a bitch. Jenny? Hmm? Headline. End of love affair with man in the sky? Question mark. I guess this is kind of the first payoff to what ended up being the marketing push. That that started with Batman v Superman, like we were talking about Wallace Keefe having kind of a pivotal role. He he is the guy who puts false god on Superman's yeah. chest, which is probably one of the most it might like it might be the encompassing I think that was the first teaser, right? As we heard the the different news report conversation. Yeah, the first teaser was just the news reports about um well and it was mixed with like some like Finch and and Luther dialogue where it was like design disguised as kind of like a news report, but it was all like the conflict over who is Superman, what should Superman be? Yeah. And then leading up to the illumination of the of the false god, yeah. That was his move. That was uh it ends up being a pretty potent one, I guess. There's two things that I want to talk about. The first being Perry White's suggestion of the article, of the headline, End of Love Affair with Man in the Sky, question mark, as speaking to the the editor <laughs> in me very vividly, as well as, as Jenny's kind of resigned agreement that, yeah, I guess that is kind of the story that you were right yeah. to cover this. Well, we were just talking about... about um Clark's reaction to to Perry's kind of ribbing in the last minute. Jenny's reaction here is is really interesting to me also because it almost looks like she's going to push back for a second. Like she's going to be like, come on, do we really want to perpetuate that narrative? Yep. It, but then kind of gives into like the, mm, I, you know, he's kind of right, but also like I don't love that headline. Maybe we could, you know, it's clear that she does not want to kind of push that narrative, but... It's very sensationally. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Clark's reactions. His response to this is so sad. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, his response, but it's it's also, I feel like the, yeah, we, we see his response, but I feel like it's, it's not a POV shot, but it's, I feel like we kind of see it through Lois's eyes, though, yeah. where her reaction to Perry saying that is to look to see how Clark feels. Mm-hmm. And it's un it's unclear even like she's upset and looks to Clark because she knows that this must be just it sucks. But yeah. I don't even think it's clear if Clark 
even heard the exchange, like, or even registered the exchange between Perry and Jenny, because he kind of looks at that screen and he takes all of that. Like, he is hit with the full brunt. Well, because we just talked about last time we saw him, we were, so we saw the, his introduction to, to Clark, not to Superman. The introduction to Clark was the, I don't care what they're saying. I'm not looking. I'm not listening. And then, then we left and we came back and he was like, okay, maybe I'll look and I'll listen a little bit. And now his like eyes and ears are open just to be blasted in the face with this false god graffiti. Yeah, which is like doubly, I don't want someone to think that about me, but I also don't want someone to think that I'm God. Well, it's like, what's the, the Dr. Manhattan? If there is a God, I'm nothing like him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't want to be seen as a God, but also, like, if I was, I would want to be seen as a good one. Good one, <laughs> yeah. Which also, I mean, that kind of, you can do a lot of parallels. Like, we know that Clark was clearly, being from Kansas, I think there's enough evidence that he would have been raised Christian, you know, like, even generally. Yeah. He well, it goes seems like to he a, had a pastor that he was familiar with. Exactly. And he goes there when he's in crisis and the, the whole yeah. savior thing is obvious, but it is kind of like, I don't know, it, it is kind of, I guess, the dividing point between, you could draw a real clear Jesus, you know, um, even like, even if you don't want to get into the whole religious or, or Christ conversation, like just from a mythological point of view, like from a story, you know, I think we've said that before. You see Superman when he's born, once when he's a teenager, and then when he's 33, ready to, you know, save yeah. the world. Here it is like at some point in the story, Jesus decided I am the guy, right? I know, I, I know what my purpose is here. Mm -hmm. It is to be what these people believe I am. With Superman, he's reached this point where he's kind of saying like, but I know I'm not, and I'm not the kind of person who would think I can be. And that's, it's an interesting thing to consider, like, where this movie ends with what the opinions are about that. Yeah. Of what, what he, what he can be and what he can't be. So mainly in this moment, I just feel for Clark because we were saying, you know, I think before this, people are raising the question, what was it? Which lives count and which well, like, don't. Which lives matter, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of like, has a theoretical point to it. And this with the spray paint as a false god is kind of a no rude awakening, man. It's happening right now. Like yeah. this is moving from pontificating, debating these in a nebulous way to no people are starting political protests against you representing something that you do not you never wanted to represent at all either way for or against. Yeah. And he looks so bummed. <laughs> I really can't emphasize that enough. He's like unequipped. Well, it, it puts him in in one of those of one of many in this movie, but it's sort of a, a microcosm of it of those no win situations of of he doesn't want to be seen as a god. He doesn't want to be one. I, I'm like it's not just that he doesn't want to be seen as one, but he doesn't want to be one. But he also doesn't want to be recognized as as a as a bad one. And so, like, there's so many, like, where do we even start with that? Like, he's not going to stop saving people in order to convince them that he's not God, right? But but if he continues saving people and continues, the, like, Wallace Keefe exists because Superman saved Metropolis. Uh, or maybe not because Superman saved Metropolis, because maybe Wallace Keefe would, would just not be alive at all if, sure, if sure. he just let, let Zod take over. But the point is that he blames Superman for it because of his his involvement there. Yeah. In the same way that uh, I'm never going to remember her, her name for any of these minutes. Kahina Ziri? Yes. In the same way that, that she, obviously she's a, a false witness, but, but hypothetically, as far as he's aware, in the same way that, that he went and he saved Lois and, and, you know, really saved the village for all intents and purposes also. 
but now he's being blamed for that. And so it's like, how do you, he's not going to stop doing that, but he also can't keep doing it. And it's just kind of, I guess this is just the, the cross <laughs> that he bears for, uh, for lack of a, of a better term. Yeah. It's a real poopy moment for Clark. It also immediately made me reconsider or draw maybe a, a thicker line between this and the other pretty, you know, memorable images later in the movie of him when he is being seen as a real god, you yeah. know, like a good god and helps inform why he feels so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I don't want to. Yeah, if he embraces the the praise of a of a god, then he also um, accepts the responsibility of being a god. Yeah, and it's also well, and like you said, if the, he's got some you know some sort of a of a Christian background, probably, and so he probably feels some sort of a a blasphemy. Also, yeah. it's also kind of interesting. It doesn't doesn't destroy the, the narrative, but it is interesting, kind of looking at his arc in this context, also where he already did the whole Jesus thing in Men of Steel, where Zod shows up. And he says, give me Superman. And so he has to surrender himself. I mean, he's got the scene in the church where literally the Garden of Gethsemane is in the stained glass. Yeah. Um, and so presenting himself to Zod is like going before, you know, Pontius Pilate and the and the army turns him over. And that's the, you know, the people turning Jesus over. They and wash their hands of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then I guess he doesn't he doesn't die there. So we've already gone through that whole kind of not not the crucifixion, but like that whole like the judging the, yeah. the garden and all that. It's interesting because we get the death of Superman in this movie. Spoiler alert for anyone who is watching this <laughs> for the first time, one minute at a time what? with us. What a brave thing to do. But, um, so yeah, so it's really fascinating to kind of break the story up that way where I don't know if that's intentional or not, but they didn't complete the full Jesus metaphor in the first one with the death and resurrection, but that does happen here and they're breaking it up. And so there's kind of a protracted, let's go back and into a little bit earlier in Jesus's story before returning to that sort of same end of the Jesus yeah. metaphor. I think that I always find, and I'll, I'm just speaking personally for myself where I always find that like biblical analogies are most effective for me when they are general, like when they're, yeah. when they're not supposed to be too specific because we yeah, like the Chronicles of Narnia where like the Aslan is literally lion Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like for every, like, like beat for beat, like yeah. the exact same. I think that was actually in C.S. Lewis's original manuscript. He introduced Aslan and then put in parentheses lion Jesus. Because I would look at it like broadly, it kind of feels like Man of Steel had him coming to terms with his role as a child of one people. And then this is very much him coming to terms with, okay, well, how am I going to... Man of Steel had him come to terms with, what is my relationship to where I came from? And this movie is, what is my relationship with the world I'm in now. Yeah, well, it's also sort of fascinating, sort of in the, in the, on the flip side of that same that same concept, though, where he says Krypton had its chance and he chooses humanity over Krypton in Man of Steel. But then it feels like here he kind of ha feels like he needs to reconnect with his. There's almost a return to like a need to reconnect with with Krypton. I feel yeah, like or like a or Man of Steel kind of ends with like. This is great, you know. This is kind of the world is introduced to the Superman. This is I'm flipping the tables. He's like, I'm money an lenders, you now. know. Like I'm here, yeah. baby, and everyone's going check out this Jesus fella. You know, um, you look at imagine what he's gonna do, and then Man of Steel ends, and then Batman v Superman begins, and it's like, hey man, it's not gonna be that simple. Yeah, it's like you can't just 
you can't just wave our flag and like yep. be one of us. People are not going to agree with you, and a lot of people are not going to like you for the worst kind of reasons. And we're going to prove, as we said before, your dad was right. Both of your dads were right. The first yeah. movie was about your first dad being proven right, and this one's kind of about your second one saying, well, also, hold up. It is really that brings up a really interesting thematic question also with that that typical kind of bummer what if question. But how does that relationship between Krypton and Earth how was that supposed to be continued after this movie where they just that was all you know the, none of that is in in Justice League but we know there was some some stuff in the in the Snyder cut about like him you know he got a new suit and he you know he went back to the ship something happened there that is you know probably something with the codex was going on like i feel like there's a big resolution to that am i of earth or of krypton kind of back and forth that we're seeing here we will never know perhaps <laughs> i like it a lot i think it is it's mainly why i'm liking it so much watching it this time is that it is very explicitly clark Dealing yes. with this stuff and not Superman. Because if you had asked me before we started doing this, I would say that Clark plays a very small role in this movie. And it's mainly Superman. Yeah, I've been surprised about how much we've had to say about Clark yeah. separate from Superman. Yeah. Superman is it's, – it's definitely forming a bigger gap for me between Clark and Superman than I ever really thought there was. Where yeah. Superman is almost – has the burdens on his shoulders and then he goes home and actually gets to deal with this stuff like a normal person and that's when he's Clark. And yeah. they're doing that very uh, meticulously while also throwing jabs at him because he's just some Kansas farm boy technically, which is a bummer because he's incredibly worldly as we know. <laughs> there was some discussion after the movie came out about the extent of his role in the movie and some people thought that Superman and Clark had too small of a part and that his Clark had a lot more to do in in the ultimate cut than he did in the theatrical cut yeah but it's really interesting looking at that perspective even more now because i think from a lot of what i saw it was like a comparison of like the number of lines that he spoke right. in the movie when we just talked about his reactions to stuff yeah exactly there's, there's so a ton much about him. of like nonverbal stuff here where yeah. he's already been on like a whole mini arc by this point of you know is he looking is he listening and he's just absorbing all of this and there's a lot of nonverbal and like we you know we went on and on at the end of that last minute about how how much is conveyed in that look that he gives to Perry and then we get another one of those here of Lois. of just he's yeah just trying to kind of grapple with this they see me yep. as a god but they see me as a bad god which is kind of nice because then he instantly just decides okay i need to just do the thing that the whole point that i arrived at at the end of man of steel was i'm going to find a job where i can help people that matter yeah that aren't you know worldwide exactly yeah and, per and uh, perry says cover sports and he says no i'm gonna find a way that i can help people as clark kent the one place where nobody's gonna confuse me as a god when i do good <laughs> yeah yeah which leads us to I guess, I mean, it's a really, it's a fantastic shot of him ascending to the, the upper deck of this ferry that is taking him across the harbor to Gotham, which I guess is where it is first established explicitly that Metropolis and Gotham are basically sister cities across a body of water. Yeah, that's, uh, there was a little bit of discussion about that when it was revealed that that was what they were going to do. I think it was San Francisco and Oakland was kind of the comparison yep. that was made about the, about the distance. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, it's another, is it too subtle or is it so obvious we don't even need to talk about it? I really like it as a narrative decision because it makes like, oh, Superman represents Metropolis because it's shiny and Batman represents Gotham because it's gritty. Okay. That's, that's, 
yes, obviously, but it's kind of been played out now to the point where I get it. If you're going to try to compare these cities, then do it in a way that's interesting. Okay, we're going to put them as literally looking at each other as one is going down into the dumps and one continues to be kind of apparently well enough off to just reserve a massive chunk of their downtown area as a, a monument. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I guess a government research site, they might have less say in that. But I really like the idea, even the the idea that it's Clark Kent visiting Gotham for I don't know if it's explicitly the first time, but it definitely has that feeling to me. Yeah, well, in the way he looks out across the water and, and it's just kind of there, it's like ominous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. And then just as a as one of those like kind of geeky comic book things, like we're watching a live action Clark Kent go to Gotham City. Uh, like he hasn't met Batman yet. He hasn't whatever. But like this is really where the crossover starts, right? Is I guess we've saw we saw Bruce Wayne in Metropolis, but I don't know. This feels there's something different about like just the phrase Clark Kent visits Gotham. It's a cool visual. It's a cool moment. I dig it a lot. And not that there's much to say about it, but it is really interesting how it's Clark Kent taking a ferry to Gotham instead of Superman yep. just flying across the harbor and how he really embraces that. I guess it makes sense. He's, he just saw the statue being vandalized, him being called a god. So it makes sense for him to kind of embrace that being a human. You know, he needs to kind of feel human now, I think, maybe. And that's why he, that's why he time goes and takes the ferry. Yeah, well, and to, you know, <laughs> to slum it with the, 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 the people who can't fly. Metropolis has the end of a love affair with Superman, question mark. We're about to find out if Gotham has a love affair with their own weird guardian. Yeah. Um, but that will be coming in minute 38. So until then, I'm just going to imagine from now until the next episode, us just standing next to Clark on like the longest ferry ride in history. Silent, obviously. Hey, I'd ride that ferry. are coming. The red capes are coming. Hmm. One if I land. Hmm. Two if by air. Hmm.